here. I think the key for modern alchemy comes down to decisions, right? The outcome of simple everyday decisions can be transforming. You may be the only person that day that smiled and nodded to someone on the train. You may be the only person that showed them any kind of kindness that day. You don't know the effects of that. That, that, that can change worlds. You could change somebody's entire world just by one decision. You can change your internal world just by one decision. Welcome to your awakening journey. Today's destinations include higher consciousness and actualized potential. If all ascenders could now please be seated in a comfortable meditative posture, we're about to ascend. You are now arriving at your host, Brian Henry. What is up, Ascenders? You're now listening to The Awaken Podcast, a show in which we dive into some conscious and expansion invoking conversation to assist you and the planetary collective consciousness in ascending to higher expressions of awareness, purpose, and potential. My name is Brian Henry. I am the founder of Together We Ascend and the Ascend Academy over at togetherweascend.com. For those of you that are returning, what is up, Ascenders? Welcome back. And for those of you that may be tuning in for the very first time, welcome to the Ascending Journey family. He is back again for his third appearance on the show, which I think should speak to how highly I value his presence, his energy, his insights. My good friend Jay Plasker is a amazing, amazing teacher of mindfulness, of higher awareness, of bringing together the nobody and the somebody. His website and his brand, The Nobody Life, teaches the importance and the power of integrating both these aspects of self. Now, if this is something that you want to learn more about, I do invite you to check out one of our past episodes. Episode 35 would be the one to go to. You can find that at Together We Ascend forward slash Awaken 35. Might be a good place to start to get a feel for JA and what he's all about. But this one is just as great. And then we get into... The key to modern day alchemy, if you would have heard in the intro there, is decisions. But of course, this isn't always an easy thing to do, to choose who we want to be and to align with that. And to transform our state and our lives isn't always the easy process. It's a practice and it takes both focus, commitment, faith and intention, all things that we speak about in this conversation. So definitely one that I believe can support those of you that are on this path of alchemizing your state and transforming your experience. This is the key to modern day alchemy. Before we jump in here though, for those of you that have been enjoying, benefiting from the show and would like to show your support, support to myself and the Together We Ascend team in continuing to serve our mission in assisting the planetary collective consciousness 
in its ascension. We've now become more receptive to receiving the support in the form of monetary donations. In the year of 2020, we made the decision in the essence of unity consciousness and, and selfless service to the all that we would transition to a organization that is entirely run on donations and voluntary contributions. And so in our essence of infinite abundance, we trust that we will be nourished and fully supported in our service to the all through contributions of this form. So again, if you are being assisted by this content and you'd like to show your support, we would gratefully and with an open heart receive a donation, which you can head on over to togetherweascend.com forward slash donation to offer if you feel called to. But I think it's time that we get into this episode. What do you say? This is my third conversation on the show with Jay Plosker. My good friend, Jay Plosker, thank you for being here once again. Thank you for having me once again. I love when we talk. It's the best. It always, always really is. Um, like I mentioned there at the beginning there, I'm always left feeling evolved. And the uh, the way that I like to describe the types of conversations that we have, and this is my favorite type of interaction, is one plus one doesn't equal two. And the two of us come together and we have a conversation. It feels like what comes from that conversation, the insights that we uh, we tap into together is greater than it could have been if I was just sitting there thinking and you were just sitting there thinking it's that <laughs> it's that exchange that allows for that that um that sense of upliftment and ascension would you I say agree. i agree i every time we talk i always it always ends i feel like i feel lighter <laughs> i've gone deeper but i've gone higher so it's it's always great every time we talk i love it so much lighter deeper and higher <laughs> does it does it get better than that no does it it <laughs> my favorite things to feel so tell me that brings me to the first inspired question and it's what do you find supports you in feeling lighter deeper and higher well i'm i'm really fortunate that my, you know, my family does that for me which is really nice i have a really supportive family and you know that connection with the moment and it's something you and I talk about every time we're on together it's just feeling connected to the moment and it's something I've been practicing for years and years and years and we've had many great conversations about mindfulness so I think that's really of all things it's not really you know looking looking to the future or regretting the past it's trying to be right here I mean do you agree because I know we've had some amazing conversations on mindfulness in the past it always comes back to that. And I know sometimes we say um, that that seems to be the thing that we, we constantly talk about. Um, but I think that's for a good reason. It's that's that's fundamental. That's we can simplify to that. Everything that I've been through, all the experiences, all that I've learned, it 
always, always comes back full circle. It's fun to play those games. It's fun to to go out there and acquire knowledge and to, to learn about different things and to implement different practices in our lives. But it always points back to, you know, it can be really simple. And it, it it's in making it as simple as, presence being here with whatever it is you're doing whatever it is you're experiencing fully that that's the only answer we really need that's the truest answer yeah because that that space clears the way i you know this image just popped into my head of um i just uh, i planted something out back with my daughter the other day and the first thing we had to do was dig a hole right <laughs> so she's so cute she's asking me you know what's it going to grow into what's it going to be well that's fine, but the first thing we had to do was create a space, right? <laughs> we had to create a moment in the earth. So uh, so we dug deep and out of that, something will grow. So I think that's that's why mindfulness is so important because it's it's that space. It's it's the starting point. It's the ground zero where we can, you know, we can't get to one without zero. So that's why I like it. It's just, it's it's such a, it's an anchor. The moment's a place to start. So that's, that's, that's why I work so hard. <laughs> <laughs> with these disciplines all the time to create these habits, to create space. You can't get to one without zero. That, that still space, that, that foundation, yeah. tapping into that, the, um, the way that my last guest likes to put it, and I, I believe others frame it in a similar way is, in that space of stillness, you come into a place of no thing and all possibilities. Right. That's the space of no thing and all possibilities. Right. Yeah. So then that brings us into a even deeper, I think, understanding of what can come from that. The the power that we have to create from such a state. Would you like to speak to that for us? Yeah, it, there is that clarity there, right? So when you, when, you know, I don't know if your listeners are artists or writers, bloggers, podcasters, or just, you know, people who like to just create meals or whatever it is, you know, there's always that initial point. There's always that initial place. There's always that initial starting point, you know, to go back to my daughter again, you know, the clean brushes before we paint, right? Her big thing is the fresh piece of paper. She always wants a fresh piece of paper, fresh piece of paper. You know, that the empty pan on the stove, that's the starting place. That's it. The empty mind. The, these are the great, you know, these are the great metaphors of history. These are the things we know. And for good reason, blank canvases, clean brushes, clean paper, empty cups, empty pans. This is where it all comes from. This is where it all comes from. And then we can build and grow on that, but it all comes from space. It all comes from blank. It, it you know, an ideal just pop into your head. And a lot of, for a lot of us, that happens when we're not doing anything in particular at all. It's the, it's the thinking about things that sometimes prevents me from solving the riddle. So I just, I like to constantly be cleaning and clearing because I think, I think for me, that's, that's that's where the best work is done. I mean, you can do work on a cluttered desk, but how much nicer to sit down to a clean, fresh workspace, right? Mm -hmm. You know, I've come across this 
this practice and approach in so many of the um, the great thinkers of our time. Um, I've seen so many times where it's said that when a problem was being approached, they or someone was one of these individuals were stuck. I know Einstein was known for it. Um, I want to say Tesla as well. What they would do when they were feeling stuck on trying to crack the code, break through, was put everything aside, stop trying for a moment. Right. I think Einstein was said to take a hot bath. I think if I'm not mistaken, I don't want to be, uh, don't quote me on this, but if I recall correctly, it was the uh, the equation e equals mc squared arised when, or the theory of relativity, one of the one or the other. Um, he had that breakthrough laying in a bathtub in a moment of feeling like he was just going to give up on it. Right. And it wasn't so much, I think, giving up on it, I'm never going to do this again, but it was surrendering to just the experience at the time, surrendering to what is, which was him being stuck, him not having an answer. And it was in letting go of the trying to find that answer that it said it came through. Right. So I wholeheartedly have seen in my own life, but it goes to throw something that we hear of this sort of um, sort of approach from from so many greats. And it's when you're stuck on something, when when there's a lacking sense of inspiration, if you will, perhaps the best thing that you can do is let go of trying to cultivate that, let go of trying to find the answer and allow it to come to you. That's right. And, you know, there's really, there's two points, two exciting points in life. You know, when I was teaching, these are points that I would really emphasize with my students in the classroom is, you know, when we come to the beginning of learning, we come to the beginning of what we don't know. And then when we come to the end of what we know, and those are two really exciting points. Those are two really critical places in a life, the start of the journey of knowledge. And when we come to the end of what we know, you know, that the start of deep space. And I think that's, that's, that's a feeling I think that mindfulness type practices, meditation type practices, clearing type practices, grounding type practices, that's where that's what they're either preparing us to start this journey or they're welcoming us, you know, at the end of this journey and getting us ready for what's next. So those are two very exciting places to be. And I think that's why mindfulness resonates so deeply with me is because when I come out of a practice like that, I feel like I'm either, you know, coming to the end of something and starting something new or preparing for something new. And that's for me, at least, that's a really, that's a really exciting place to be. I mean, does that, does that resonate with you on any level? It does. I, uh, now I'm getting the, the imagery coming through. You're usually the one to bring through the amazing <laughs> visuals. Um, I once had a friend tell me what happens before every big leap before you actually jump, from the floor physically what always happens in that fraction of a second beforehand there's always this pause there's always this pause there's always this moment of gathering your feet before each big leap mm -hmm. and that period 
It's uh, another way I like to describe it is it's this gestation period uh, before a big new chapter, before inspiration arises. There's always, I find, this, this space of, of stillness, this space of emptiness. And like I think we're alluding to here, that allowing for that emptiness is allowing the space for something to rise from within it, something right. to come on in it. And if we, that brings me to thinking that, you know, if we, in that period of perhaps not feeling inspired, um, we gravitate towards distractions. And I think this can happen because especially your go, 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 get it type, your, your individual that wants to be making progress, constantly thinking about making progress and creating and making things happen, that period could actually be uncomfortable. Yeah. Being in a place where you don't feel inspired or motivated or might not yet know the next best step, we can look upon that, and I speak from experience here, where I, when I say that can be very uncomfortable because there's something inside of me that's saying, this is wrong. What? Why am I not motivated? Why don't I have the answer? And I get worried that I'm going to get stuck there. But again, it's when I surrender to that, that I find that I'm catapult into a next big chapter. Right. So what do you, what's your experience been like with, with that? Have you, have you found yourself in such a space and found yourself resisting it similarly? Yeah, all the time. Look, you know, my books, when I start to write, there's that, and you and I have talked about this before, but it's that, that blank cursor. <laughs> it's just blinking and blinking and blinking and your hands are hovering there. That's the beginning of a journey, right? And so there's that, there's that anxiety, right? There's that almost a fear that comes up at the beginning of that because you don't know which way to go. And you think you're going to think your way through the book, right? You're going to think your way through a 280 page novel or something. But what ends up happening is it's when I, sometimes I just back away. And this is, this is like burned from, you know, from all the things that I've written and I write for a living too. I, my job is as a writer as well. Sometimes I need to just back off. And that's the opposite so many times of what we're taught to do. And I think a lot of what you're alluding to has to do with programming, right? I gave a TEDx talk and, you know, I say from birth, we're programmed to be somebody, right? And that's something we've talked about, right? And the reason I told the audience that is it's a powerful reminder, I hope, that a lot of the things that we get into like resistance or the need to finish things or the need to fix things, it comes out of programming. And I think that's why sometimes we get afraid when we don't know an answer because we're told through our lives, we'll go figure it out. We'll go work on it. But maybe what we should be teaching children is we'll just sit, just let it go. Just let it percolate for a while because that feeling of when I back away from a creative project, when I try to back away from the programming that something should be coming out of me or that I should have all the plot points, I try to drop all that. And what I notice happens is through the day when I'm not even thinking, I'm washing dishes or I'm in the shower, there it is. A plot point will hit me or an introduction will hit me. So I resonate with what you said 
so strongly. And I think a lot of mindfulness practice is the process of unprogramming what we've been programmed to believe, which is doingness, somethingness, fixingness, as opposed to suchness, emptiness, waiting, and pausing. So yeah, I resonate with what you said in a, a really big way. <laughs> so tell me more about how you go about this reprogram reprogramming process. Discipline right that there's there's no other way it's about and the, the reason mindfulness is so important and a lot of your listeners are going to be so sick of hearing me talk about mindfulness but it's it's that important to me mindfulness is the key at least for me to the reprogramming process because what it helps me to do is catch myself right so if i feel a doubt an insecurity a fear welling up in me if i can catch it if i can snag it before it gets too far and just be in the moment, that helps me, I, to, it helps me do two things. It helps me identify the program. Actually, it helps me do three things. It helps me identify the programming. It helps me clear a space around it. And it helps me supplant it with something that's more productive for me. And so, look, th these are things that, these are things that are difficult to put in the word. When I was teaching philosophy, I used to say to my students, the hard thing about teaching philosophy is we have to take things that everyone takes for granted and make them somehow new and fresh. And that's sort of how it is talking about mindfulness. The experience of it is so different. We all know how to do it, but it's so different for all of us. So hopefully that made sense to you just speaking for me. Mindfulness is really the key tool for me for, for reprogramming. That's why I dedicate myself to it so so much so hard all day mm -hmm. yeah well because if you don't first come into awareness of the program and the the effect that it's having on your experience then there's going to be real no initiation to wanting to change it there's no there's going to be no you won't even catch that moment where you realize it's something that needs to be changed so right. always i think again is it's a practice of, of being aware. And even through that practice, you, you named three steps. You said um, identifying the program, so seeing it, identifying it, creating the space for, for would, you, would you say that's kind of like this clearing of the, the old? Right, it's like a it's like a, a controlled brush fire, <laughs> you know. You kind of you acknowledge it. You let that moment burn. You you sit in it. You you I mean you you don't push it away. I think the human tendency with a lot of these things psychologically is to push 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 away. So sometimes you have to sit in the fire, right? That's that's how we that's how we get clean. So you identify it. You sit in it. I mean that's radical awareness. That's the fire of awareness, right? And then you get about the practice of forming a new habit, supplanting it with something healthier. Um, you, you know, that could even take place in the kitchen. You go to reach for the snack, the unhealthy snack that you've, you've programmed yourself to want. So it's something with sugar on it, right? You stop, you catch yourself, you sit in that craving for a minute, right? Without judgment. You sit in it. You have to sit in it because the reason that you're reaching for it is because you never took the time to sit in it before. You sit in it. And then maybe you reach for an apple instead. So you notice, you catch it, you sit in it, you replace it. And you do that over and over and over and over again. And it becomes, it becomes habit. It becomes mm -hmm. discipline. It becomes discernment. It becomes, it becomes a way of life. Yeah. That willingness to, to sit in that fire is, 
is so key because my experience has been if you don't allow for that step three isn't really even your step three is going to feel like a struggle if you don't first allow step two absolutely that's so absolutely true brian uh yeah <laughs> and it shouldn't be a struggle look th look this is hard i mean you know this isn't easy you know if we could spend that's why there's people have been writing about this thousands of years people have been you know if you believe in reincarnation people have been coming back probably and practicing this for thousands of years there's a reason it's because when you're trying to develop it seems like and you know with your background in fitness right it seems like unhealthy habits they're just so easy sometimes we don't like them i mean it's not that i'm saying we don't i'm not saying we love them but they just seem so easy what we're asking people to do here is substitute in a new program right and i didn't make this up i mean this isn't this isn't new as i always say <laughs> this isn't new i didn't make this up but you're asking people to take a step you're asking people to take a leap you're asking people to make a change you're asking people to diverge from what so often seems so easy and that's why mindfulness is a discipline mindfulness is a practice mindfulness can be can be work and i it's it, what like digging that hole with my daughter the end result of that is something beautiful but it took work <laughs> you know we get splinters we get blisters our backs ache but at the end what's the reward and i think that metaphor more than any other really is the one that can keep us motivated to keep coming back to the touchstone of mindfulness over and over and over again. Mm. So what makes these old programs so difficult to, to let go of? What, what makes them difficult and how can we look upon this in a way that allows for this process to go through be undergone more smoothly because i think in understanding what makes it difficult we can we can bring a, a lens to it that will, will help us address them more effectively well i want to ask you that because i mean with your background in fitness right you know training people what makes it difficult for for fitness clients to change their habits i mean have you experienced that in your line of work that you would that you used to do How, what, what was so difficult for people about forming a new habit around fitness what comes up is belief systems yeah and self-concept um you know there's i've i've seen two completely different things play out in someone that was trying to take on a, a new habit, um, even right at the beginning. And it's been one, the the individual who struggled off the bat, right? Off the bat, it was, it was constant relapse or not even being able to get the ball rolling. I've seen that play out. And I've also seen the total opposite where someone was able to boom, right off the bat, just, go ahead and all in with with a new way of being a new way of living a new habit all right and 
now to say whether they they stuck to that or not varies but i have seen many times where an individual in the intention of taking upon a new habit was able off the bat to be very consistent with it and the thing that comes up for me when i think about what was the difference what was the differing factor between those two was always this it was always the sense of belief that you felt in the individual mm. when someone truly believes that they can change the energy and consistency that is brought to creating for that change is far greater than if we're coming from a, a disempowered place. So why I say I, belief system and self-concept is what, what I look upon as being fundamental is because of that. It's because you have to believe yourself to be that person as well as be capable of being that person. I mean, those obviously go hand in hand, but the moment we start to look at ourselves as a person that has a healthy lifestyle, not just someone that is trying to eat healthy, but someone that has healthy nutritional practices, that shift in who we believe ourselves to be, I find is often the, the make or break thing. I, that that brings to mind when I was counseling and I had certain clients that were mandated by the court, right, to show up for counseling. And over time, sometimes their probation officers would check in with me and they'd say, so how are they doing? Well, there was a difference. The clients who wanted a new state, right, whatever that was for them, whatever they were coming to see me for, clients that wanted a new state did better. Clients that were just sent there under duress and had nothing else bolstering that, which is your belief system, right? That never ended well. Now, I could work with them to help build that foundation. But certainly, if a client has belief, at least an inkling of belief that a new state is possible, that makes growth a little easier. And I love that you talk about that. Like, so for a lot of people, one of the limiting factors really is a disbelief that a new state is possible. And the, the, the function of belief in our lives isn't to make things magically appear. I know sometimes people will criticize personal development or spirituality because they say, you know, well, magical thinking doesn't do anything. Right. And I always say, you're right. Magical thing. It's, it's, that's not enough. It's, mm -hmm. it's a starting point. It's a belief. And following on the heels of that belief is a motivation. Following on the heels of that motivation is a step. Following on the heels of that step is another step. And then a goal is realized. And I think it starts with, it starts with believing. And I know outside of the personal growth community, I know how that sounds. Inside the personal growth community, I know how it looks. And the difference between those two things is very powerful. And I think that's why one of the initiations into a community of growth is usually an element of belief. 
doesn't have to be a belief in a God. It doesn't have to be a belief in the universe, a belief that a new state is possible, a belief that a new state is possible because outside of that, there really can't be motivation because there's nothing for which to be motivated. And I, like I said, I saw it firsthand as a counselor. I had a lot of clients that were mandated to see me and it, and like we said, unless there was a belief along with that paper from the judge, it was a very difficult road or more difficult than it, than it could be. And that's not a judgment, it's a state. And you work, you work from there. But I, I love that. I love that you bring up this idea of belief because I think sometimes that gets lost. I think that gets lost in the discussion a lot of times. So how do we cultivate that? Belief. Can you cultivate it? <laughs> I think it's, I think it's the same as mindfulness. I think we're always going to be, we're always going to come back, you, me, to the discipline camp. I think, I think we can cultivate it through practice if it can be cultivated. You know, a lot of people laugh. I know some of your listeners might remember, uh, I think it was Stuart Smalley. He used to look in the mirror on Saturday Night Live. He'd say, I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and gosh darn it, people like me. That was a big sketch on Saturday Night Live back in the, I think it was the 90s. And people make fun of that sketch. You know, that's that was one of the things that people will use to make fun of personal growth, personal and spiritual development. But it's funny because the essence behind something like that, behind constantly repeating an idea to ourselves is, I think through the discipline of making these statements to ourselves, I think it does a few things to us. I think it changes our body chemistry. I think it can shift us from a, from a cortisol mentality to an oxytocin mentality so that we feel like we're less in fear. And I think it creates emotional shifts for us because I think the more we tell ourselves something, the more we start to believe it. And I think an idea like that doesn't always sound credible at the start, but I've known a lot of people who have practiced that, especially when we were doing cognitive behavioral techniques through counseling, where it worked. And it doesn't just work because of magical thinking. It works because of discipline and repetition. It works because once you say the words, you start to believe yourself and you start to take actions in accord with those words. So I think that's, I think you can cultivate them, but again, I think it takes discipline and I think it takes work. And I think that's sometimes where people fall away, including including myself. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's a practice, right? It's a practice, and actually, I'm so glad that you you brought up the the physiological aspect of of this sort of shift and transformation. Um, science has shown us that our thinking can invoke physiological response in our bodies, and you you mentioned two um, neurotransmitters there. Uh, cortisol and oxytocin for those that may be unfamiliar um, cortisol being the the stress hormone and oxytocin I think some call it the the love molecule or something along the lines of just pleasurable good feelings um, again the the science has shown us that our thinking can actually cause for the um, the release of both neurotransmitters on both sides the ones that cause uh, that are associated with stress and the ones that are associated with positive, good feelings. Okay. So I think you you hit on something really important. It's that the more you tell yourself something, the more you'll find yourself believing it. It's it's this 
process of repetition. And when done, I think, in the intention of reshaping our minds, I'm going to think these thoughts because I want to believe these thoughts. That's how this process tends to 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 unfold. And at first, what I always like to tell people is that, you know, you might not find yourself feeling or fully believing the words that you're saying, but keep at it. Keep at saying them in the intention of cultivating that belief. And it's it's a practice of both thinking and feeling happening in tandem. And when we approach it as that, I think that's where we're able to create for real change in our physiology, in our programming, and then in our behavior, which is another important thing that you brought forth, which is it can't just be that. It can't just be the the inside stuff, right? We have to follow through in our in our actions in order for this to play out. And that actually brings me to one of my favorite things to say this year, which is our actions cast votes towards our self-concept. Mm. So it goes both ways, meaning we are going to naturally act in the expression of self that lines up with who we believe ourselves to be, but also how we are being in the world and the choices that we make is directly going to play into what we think about ourselves too. So it takes alignment and intention in both of these areas to, to create for change. One of my teachers, and I've said this before on the show, and uh, we were talking about something in reference to another issue, but I'll, I'll just say what he said. He said, if you're doing the right thing for the wrong reason, keep doing it until the right reason finds you. And that teaching has been burned into my brain. <laughs> I must have heard that teaching 10, 15 years ago. And I've never forgotten it because it has legs even outside of this race. It's the idea of, I know if you're going to make this commitment to personal growth, not everything you're going to learn is going to make absolute sense right away. And it's this idea of what they say, testing the gods. If you're doing the right thing and you're not sure it's doing anything, and you would probably say this too as a fitness person, people will, they'll do 10 jumping jacks. And like, that's not doing anything for me. You're like, I just trust me. Or they'll do arm curls. Well, I'm not, don't seem to be building muscle. Just trust me. It's the discipline of approaching the discipline again and again and again and again, keep doing it, and then something happens. Something happens. And so that teaching has always been so, so important to me because it really encompasses all, all facets of what we've been talking about. So committing, committing to the process? Yep, it's the process. It's the discipline of committing to discipline. I, and, you know, there's no, there's no pill for this. There's no there's no single exercise to isolate this mindfulness muscle and build it over. This is a full body workout. This is a full mind workout. It's a full energy workout all the time. And it's a commitment that you have to make to yourself. Hmm. And I think it's, it's, it's well worth it. <laughs> I think it's, it's well worth doing. And I think it, it does pay off. And like I said, test the gods, try it for yourself. 
that's really the only thing that there is to do because I we have to use our own experience as evidence. So right. I think truly the 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 best thing that we can we can say to an individual is give it a shot. Give, give it, it a shot. shot and see how it goes for you and yep. assess your experience, assess how things play out. And I think once you start to experience some benefit, that's that's where the that's when that <laughs> aha moment comes. That's yep. when that's when motivation comes. <laughs> when you realize that, oh, I'm noticing some, even if it's just a slight change, if this yep. is invoking me even just a slight positive change, what does it have in store for me if I keep going? That's right. And it's it, it's that adventure. Remember we said before, those two critical moments, either you come to the beginning of what you don't know, or you come to the end of all you that you do know. And when you hit those points, those are power points. I mean, those are those are points of power on a path like this. And I think there there is an element of faith. And I used to I used to put this into my students' heads, you know, every time the semester would start over again, a new crop of students. Look, you know, we're about to learn comparative religion, philosophy, ethics, social work, whatever I was teaching at the time. This book is full of stuff. And you're not necessarily gonna, you don't know everything in there right now, but that's the leap of faith. And I think sometimes as students, we come to a discipline wanting it all to make sense right from the start. And in the area of personal and spiritual growth, it's it, sometimes it just doesn't. Sometimes there is that element of faith. And I think that's one of the underlying bedrocks of what this is. If you're going to take on a new practice, then you need to put your faith in it to some degree. It doesn't mean you believe it wholeheartedly. It means you have faith that it's going to change you in some way. And that gets us back to that belief piece. And I think that's the importance of it. And if it doesn't serve you, you can drop it and let it go and pick up another one. There's no right or wrong here. It's just about the discipline of discipline. And I think it's really important. Hmm. Yeah, and even that, again, the the faith, I think with time and, and practice, that's, that's something that's cultivated. Um, but we have to... We have to be willing to give something a, a fair shot, which entails the faith, right? If you're not yet able to believe in something, I even actually say that, you know, belief in many regards isn't even necessary. It's I actually prefer use the 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 word faith because what that suggests for me at least um, is that you're not rigid in in your thinking. You're not rigid in thinking you have the answer. It's that openness. It's that openness to something new, which you kind of close yourself off of if you're too strongly held in your belief. Right. But living from a place of, of faith, this feels right. So I'm going to give it a shot and I'm going to see. This feels right. So I'm going to move into it and explore from there. And when I am met by what it is I'm met by, then there's a new moment. To be approached again and again and again but again just always approaching things from this moment taking this moment for what it is and drawing from it the the insight that that is here for you that's right that's right and so it's very important it's a full like i said it's a full body mind and energy workout <laughs> and once you activate all those things stuff happens stuff mm -hmm. happens 
I always say that I've been interviewed before and somebody's like, what happens? And I'm like, <laughs> what happens is unique to each person. Because even if nothing happens, that's still progress because you took a step. You tried something. Maybe you didn't get the results you were expecting. Well, then you've learned something about expectations, haven't you? And I think there's no such thing as a bad experience in, in, terms, of, in terms of trying things new like this. So any step, any step is data. Any step is information. So there just can't be, there just can't be a right or wrong, Brian. There just can't be. There just cannot be. There's only, you know, there's only our feelings. That's, 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 that's our guidepost. That's our guidepost. And that's just, it's, it, that's so much, that's so much what we need to have guide us through this. That shift in perspective that you are, you're pointing to there, looking at each experience as not being either good or bad, but being something that you can learn from that shift in perspective, like if we just made that decision that I'm going to approach my experience as best as I can with through through with that perspective that it's not good, it's not bad, it's just an experience. And from it, I can draw insight that will support me in continuing to create a better experience for myself. That That shift, like that's the catalyst right there. That's right. You know, Brian, if I'm if I'm working with a coaching client and they're expressing a dream to me or they're saying something that they want to try and I start advising them on rightness and wrongness, even if they ask for that, then what I've done is I'm filling in their hole with my dirt, right? So they've created this space for something to grow. And when I write it or wrong it, then I'm 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 taking that away. And, and and now we can teach people how to dig a hole differently, right? Expand it on the sides. Maybe you want to make it a little deeper. Maybe you want to fill that in a little bit so or even deeper so the roots aren't exposed. Or we can do that. But as a coach, as a if I'm if I'm writing and wronging, then I'm really destroying that space. And that applies outside of the coaching relationship. It applies just in our own lives. And we have to be very careful about the kinds of the words and the thoughts that we use in reference to our, our, our the things that we want, because we can also fill it in, fill in our own hole, right? <laughs> so that's why all of these things matter. And it goes back to what I was saying about sometimes people from outside, what I say is outside the personal growth community, but nobody's really outside it. But I think that's why sometimes people will laugh at positive thinking, or they'll make fun of it. Because there is a deep well of systems and emotions and beliefs and feelings and faiths that build the foundation of somebody on this path. And it's easy to look in from the outside and say, oh, that's crazy. You should always be doing something. Oh, why are you wasting your time saying nice things to yourself? That doesn't do anything. But when you really get to the heart of what this is, which is our discussion today, I hope, you see why these things are so important and why they're things that should be embraced instead of made fun of. <laughs> and so hopefully, hopefully this will, 
hopefully this will resonate on uh, if somebody out there is listening and is is having doubts or is unsure because I've encountered that before that maybe maybe this will help put into perspective why this matters on every level so I, I really I hope <laughs> I not only do I think it will I also believe that most if not all those that are tuning into this type of content and are part of the ascenders community are individuals that already i mean just being here being watching content like this and exposing yourself to this suggests that you either are actively trying to improve on yourself or you are open to the the belief the idea that you can so even that is just you know a, a big step that I think a lot of people struggle to to take that first step. Um, and I think again it can be described as just choosing to commit to commit to you, commit to whatever it is that that it is you want for yourself. Um, and I guess one of the big points that that we're really laying laying down here is that even if that that belief that that sense of empowerment isn't yet residing if you aren't yet fully able to believe yes i can make these things happen yes i can become this person yes i can improve my life in these ways give it a shot put put some faith in it put some yeah. faith in it um and again it's i think first and foremost a practice of 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 cultivating that belief working on what's happening internally and then what I'd like to say with regards to that is what starts to happen on the outside when we start to look within? It shifts. <laughs> well, at least for me, it shifts profoundly. Mm. So, I, you know, when we, it's like alchemy, right? When you change that internal state there, you know, when, when you turn your insides to gold, you see a golden halo outside of you almost. Talk to me about alchemy. What does that mean to you? Well, it's that it's the flowery way of saying transformation, right? You know, taking things that we may not think have value, like, I don't know, these to turn lead and things, see if they could turn lead into gold. Using the things of the everyday and transforming them into the stuff of, of, uh, of beauty, for whatever beauty means to us, of transformation. So saying hello to someone, saying hello to a neighbor, giving someone a compliment, um, holding your tongue instead of screaming at someone, transforming the ordinary into something extraordinary, either through an action or inaction. And so, you know, that's one of my big things. I mean, that's, I, you know, when I, I wrote a book called The Nobody Bible, and the whole point of that was looking at how these world religions, these you know, Hinduism, Buddhism, Judaism, Christianity, what's a piece of wisdom in them that we can connect to just by doing something ordinary? To me, that's alchemy. You know, how do you see it? I mean, what do you, what do you do to transform your external world? It's something you talk about a lot. And I know it's something that you really, it's, I know just from conversations we have that this is such a deep it's such a deep thing within you how do you transform your external world i'll tell you like, what my friend um i think my audience hears me talk enough and actually i'm gonna be completely open and honest here when i say um 
earlier in our conversation, insight came in and it was very clear that the most powerful podcast episode that is available to us in the ether here is one in which I'm showing a sense of curiosity and interest in you and your process and drawing out from you all the magnificent insights that I know is waiting to come through. Um, I would be happy to share and I, I am happy sharing, but I have to be I have to be true in saying that I realize that I, I do believe that we'll get more out of this experience. This collective will get more out of this experience if I went deeper into trying to understand the way that you approach these things. Isn't that funny? And as a guest, I find the most satisfying interviews are the one where the host <laughs> shares their insights. So, okay, but we'll go with yours for now. So um, from one- It can be both. It certainly can be both. <laughs> for me, alchemy is really just a flowery way of saying transformation. And that's, I like I said, I take the stuff of ordinary day and I try to make it into something that I feel can either touch me or others all the time. And that can either be something we do through action or it can be something that we do through inaction. And I, I, I don't know, there's, there's really nothing magical to it. It's about I think the key for, you know, since we're not trying to turn lead into gold here, I think the key for modern alchemy comes down to decisions, right? So there's no magical incantation. There's no spell you have to cast. It's really making a decision. So if you can feel yourself getting angry, right, and you hold back, you've made a decision. That decision transforms the outside world because you've saved yourself from potentially embarrassing yourself or saying something you'll regret, and you've spared the other person uh, anger, embarrassment, whatever, whatever was gonna happen there. And it's a simple decision you make, but the outcome of decisions, right? The outcome of simple everyday decisions can be transforming. You may be the only person that day that smiled and nodded to someone on the train. You may be the only person that showed them any kind of kindness that day. You don't know the effects of that. Somebody who cuts you off in traffic may be doing it because they. you may be the only person that day that didn't act out when they did something. That, that, that can change worlds. You can change somebody's entire world just by one decision. You can change your internal world just by one decision. So that to me is this idea of alchemy. And it's a decision we make inside but the changes outside are monumental. So that's 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 how I see it. That's that's what it is for me. That is so, so powerful. The key to modern day alchemy are decisions, that choice. And I'm so glad that we are bringing this forward because um, I think often, or at least weirdly, a lot of the uh, what has been being channeled through what I've been sharing, um, at least, you know, the chapters leading up to, to kind of the one I'm in now has been a lot about surrender, allowing, accepting. And of course we know it's entirely that as well, but I think we are also being called to, to bring emphasis to the power that we have to, to create change in our decisions in making that choice. 
and the way that I like to um to to consider this for a moment is that what you're doing when you make that decision is changing how you may respond to something by default right the the unconscious behavior if you will which is the programmed behavior the decision is the choice to do something differently than you may have done it in the past than may have felt like a tendency in the past of the past and it's in making that decision that we change our results because we know we step out of that cycle we step out of that pattern that we're playing and we can go a lot deeper here when we talk about the the shift in experience that takes place via a shift within well if you're looking to create for change in your experience then there has to be change that occurs within you have to step out of an old pattern within yourself in order for you to no longer to continue to recreate the circumstances that you're in so that alchemy is a process of both internal and external um and again i mean maybe we're running it into the ground but i don't think we could say it enough it's a practice of awareness to even recognize that one you can consciously choose and giving yourself that opening to consciously choose that's right that's right it all works together there's no way i don't think there's any there's no way to get around awareness it, it doesn't matter it doesn't matter how much how many books we read it doesn't matter how many practices we do and they're all so wonderful and there's so much knowledge and there's so much to learn and there's so many things to see and but at the end of the day it i don't know there's really no way to get around awareness there's no way to get around this idea from mindfulness of being radically aware because that's where the seeds are planted and i so i think no matter how far afield we take these conversations and they're always great it always does come back to awareness that's because that's you said if we're beating this into the ground but yes yes we are beating this into the ground good reason because that ground that grounding is where it starts so any conversation it would seem in this path that doesn't come back to awareness and beat it into the ground is is missing an important ingredient right it's like it's like planting a seed and just with no soil just water or just soil and no water i mean it's you know and then, then you leave out the sun you know it's it there always has to be some kind of touchstone of awareness because that's where it has to start otherwise there's too much noise there's too much chatter so at least mm -hmm. that that's that was my path and that is my path i think it's i it might be a bold statement to make but i think it's everyone's path whether we recognize it or not we're growing in our awareness of ourselves and of what this is at large um so I feel inspired to ask you, get into a little bit more personal story here, if you feel called to to share. What are some, or what is a way that alchemy has played out in your life? What tell us about something that you have, let's say, more recently 
um, worked on alchemizing within your internal world and your experience. Hmm. There's some, I don't know. It's hard to think of one thing because everything is in this. I think, I think for me lately, one of the areas I'm working on, one of the, one of the things that's grinding me down in this, in this, you know, grind, you know, you grind your ego down on this path is parenting. Hmm. And I think, you know, I'm the parent of a four and a half year old. And I think the way, the way I interact with my child, the decisions I make before I speak to her, right? Because we know the area of discipline and setting boundaries with children is, is very difficult. And so I think that that's one area where I've really had to monitor my speech and I've really had to be careful what kind of things I say, because I notice that when I speak softer words, gentler words, kinder words, the results I get back from that are much more significant than when I, when I speak a little more harshly. So is that the kind of thing that, that you're talking about? Of course, a perfect um, real life example of, of how this plays out and an intention that I'm, I'm sure someone like you has, and probably I take it that this is a priority in your life. <laughs> well, it's, 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 it's the priority. <laughs> it's, because yeah. you're considering the way in which your words can influence her programming process. Mm -hmm. And it's tough for me. Look, this is an area I struggle with. You know, one of the, one of the areas I, I need to work on in life is patience. That was never really a strong point of mine, you know, anxiety, you know, for, I've told you before, and you know, the TEDx talk and some of the books I've written come out of my struggles with anxiety, like to a really difficult place that I've been with that. And I think one of the outgrowths of being an anxious person is I've become a, a rather impatient person because I think sometimes we just want, we want the trigger to anxiety to come and go and be over with. And when you have a child in your life, it, you know, children know, they know, they know how to push those buttons. They're just smart that way. And so they grind our ego down. They grind our expectations down because they always act against our <laughs> expectations because, you know, a 40 some year old person standing in front of a four year old you know, we're going to have two different expectations of what life should be. So we have to keep putting ourselves and you know, my whole thing with nobody life, right? You know, you have to keep putting yourself, you have to keep moving yourself aside. You have to keep standing in radical, say it with me, Brian, awareness of exactly <laughs> what you're thinking and what you're feeling in that moment. And I think in the heat of a moment with a child, when they're throwing a tantrum or thwarting an expectation that you have as a parent, I think it's very easy to say certain things and, and act out in certain ways that, that we really need to be aware of. And so that's one way, that's, that's well, one way, that's right now the way where I'm really trying to create that, that external transformation and that internal transformation. And, and it is a, it's the hardest thing I've ever done. <laughs> Have you noticed improvement? Oh, 
you know, you have one of the things with a kid is you, you have to improve in some ways. And really, at least that's how I looked at it as, as a parent. You know, for me, at least parenting wasn't a place where I felt like I could stay stagnant. You just can't. I mean, you know, you you can have a blog and a YouTube, you know, all these things. And maybe you haven't blogged in a while. Or maybe, like, these are things that you can let them go, come back and revisit them. Maybe you change careers, whatever. You, you can't do that with a kid. I mean, as a committed parent, I know that I need to show improvement. That's on me as the adult. If I want her to grow, then I need to grow as well. Otherwise, this whole thing just, it's it not going to work. <laughs> so yeah, it's, I, at least I hope I'm making improvements. You'd have to ask my wife, but um, and my kid, but I, I, I certainly feel like I have, but it's, boy, it's a, it's an everyday thing. And, and I told you, you know, that TEDx talk I gave is I'm teaching my daughter to be nobody. Well, the only way I can teach her that, the only way I can teach her to step aside, to show kindness, to show compassion, to, to show awareness is if I model that for her on some level. And by the way, if I call myself out and I do this, look, my kid's real smart. I call myself out when I, when I fall short and I correct myself very publicly for that. And so that's, you know, I hold myself accountable in front of her for that because I would want her to do the same as she grows. So hopefully I have made some progress. I think I have. If you believe you have, my friend. <laughs> I am so certain that you have. Um, for the listeners that um, maybe not be familiar with the whole concept of nobody because you throw it out there, uh, you did a TED Talk talking about um, becoming becoming nobody or the the title is you're teaching your daughter to become nobody correct um i don't want to dissect that that concept today again because it is something that we've dived in, into in the past so what i did want to mention is um if you haven't caught any of the the past episodes that i did with ja the links to those will be in the description i want to remember the episode numbers i believe it's episode 12 the last one, I'm not sure. So you know what? The links will be in the description. Those get really deep into what it means to integrate the nobody and the power in that. Um, but one area that I feel like you and I actually haven't gone too deep into, um, and this goes back, I think, further than than your, your journey of being a parent, but I'd love to hear this story because I don't think I even personally know too much about it, is you've brought up the, uh, the whole struggle with anxiety in the past. Um, I know that's something that you've dealt with, but I don't, I don't think I've ever heard you kind of really describe what that that rock bottom looked like or where that even showed up in your life. Is that something you're, you're willing to share a little bit about? Well, I, I, I can share some of it. I mean, look, anxiety is a common human experience, right? It's this, it's, it's, it's stress on overdrive, right? It's worry on overdrive. And I can remember. Off, but let me get a little bit deeper here. Take me to rock bottom. Oh, <laughs> well, I don't know if we're going to go to rock bottom, but I will. <laughs> Take me to the rock bottom that you're willing to, to speak to. I, I remember coming to a place, and this is in the talk, this is in the TEDx talk, this is the story I chose to share, because um, there are others, but this is the one I choose to share. Um, I was so, I was so much in worry and stress about the future that I had come to a place, 
where I honestly didn't know if I was going to have a future. And I was absolutely, completely paralyzed in my life. And I had just graduated from professional school. And I was in a really, I was in a really bad place. I was completely, I had entered a place of paralysis in my life. And I wasn't even sure that things were going to continue. And that was rock bottom. That was probably, that was in my late 20s. And I, I remember though, before that, I mean, I had been an anxious kid, right? And I had grown into an anxious adolescent. And then it all, like you said, it, it, it came to a head over this course of time in my late 20s. And I was, you know, I, I had to, I had to make a decision. Here we go again, right? <laughs> I was never here. I was either ruminating on the past in those depressive feelings, or I was leaping ahead into the future into anxiety. So I was never here. I was never in the moment. And that's where the importance of, I, I had a, I don't know how deep you want me to go into this, but I had a interaction with a spiritual teacher, something miraculous happened. And out of that grew my grew my it, 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 not expect me to want to know more something miraculous <laughs> happened if you want to tell us about the uh what unfolded from there and then come back to that sure but maybe it makes more sense to tell us what happened okay well i, I don't know how much time we have and i don't want to you know it's, it's well, out do you there have a, what do you have a, a hard cut no <laughs> okay, well, I have a good 35 minutes left, so let's hear about this uh, this experience that, that seems to be a, a turning point for you. Well, a lot of times, um, listeners who've heard me before, you hear, or if you listen to my videos or anything, you hear, sometimes you'll hear me refer to my teacher. Um, I had come to apply, I had been studying with this particular teacher for maybe seven or eight years. And once a year, this teacher would meet with the students for like five to 10 minutes. And he'd say to us, we'd go into this room and he'd say, you can ask one question, you'll have the ear of the universe. Well, this is a big moment. If you knew my teacher like I did, you know that this is a big moment for any of us. And I was just in this awful place. So I'm sitting in front of him and I can't think of anything to ask. You know how that happens, right? You, you finally get your chance to get an answer and your mind goes blank. So I, he, I, I said, you know, should I continue on my current career path? Because that was a big for me and I, that I don't need to go into. And he said to me, I want you to remember something. He said, what you do for a living doesn't define you. It's only work. He said, I'm going to have the universe bring you that message. Okay, great. So I went back home and I was, I mean, Brian, when I tell you I was in a really bad place, I was in a really, 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 really bad place. Okay. So I had this experience, but it, it, right? When we're not grounded, when we're not aware, these things pass us by, right? We miss the significance of these moments. So a few days later, out of nowhere, my dad calls me and he says, he says, I just had the weirdest experience. And I was like, what? And he said, well, he said, I'm home alone. I was like, yeah. And he said, a man's voice just spoke to me out of nowhere and said, call your son and tell him it's only work. He said, does that, does that mean something to you? And I was like, uh, yeah, that, that means, <laughs> that means something to me. And what I realized in that moment, then moving forward, because I couldn't deny that, right? That, 
grounded me because as in as many places as my mind was going, I had to sit up and take notice of that event. And so that spawned the new start in my life. That pushed me an inch. It got me back into all the books on comparative religion and philosophy that I had studied and used to teach. It got me to dive into really pay attention to what my teacher was saying. And I started to add little practices into my life, right? Meditation, mindfulness practices. And over time, over decades, but some results instantly, I started to change. So we talk about alchemy, right? I started to be more aware of where I was. I started to realize I was never here. I started to try to bring myself here. And through that process, my life changed slowly, but it changed. And I think that's why when people hear me speak on these things, whether it's on a podcast, a TEDx state, wherever it is, I have this passion for it because it changed my life and it saved my life. And that's why I talk about it over and over and over because it gave me life where I almost didn't have one. So that was, that was rock. That was pretty close to rock. <laughs> but that's, that's when something happened and I had to sit up and take notice of it. I had to become more aware. I mean, how could I ignore that? And I rode that wave just an inch, then two inches, then a foot, then two feet, then four feet, 20 some, I'm still here still here. So that's why I'm so passionate about this topic over and over. I talk about it over and over and that's why. So. Because of what has brought you and where it has brought you today. It, it gave me my life back. So people say, test the gods. Yeah. Yeah. You, you do that. Because I was studying this stuff for years before that moment. And I, I, I wasn't seeing what I would consider to be right in the time, you know, that ego based, what I would consider to be results. Nothing's changing. Well, yeah, that's fine. That's it's great. But if you're really going to make a commitment, there's a, there's an element of hope. And I think we talked about faith before, right? I think there's also an element of hope, right? I, I think somewhere in the back of our minds, even when we reach rock bottom, and again, I can only speak from my experience. That's, that's the only experience I'm entitled to speak on is my own, but somewhere in the back of my head, there was hope that things could change. And I kept trying and eventually something clicked. Did my life become magical? No. Could I go outside and summon bluebirds to my finger? Of course not. Could I manifest riches in... No, no, that's, <laughs> that's not how it looks. It was slowly pe peeling away layers of resistance. It was slowly uncovering layers of ego. Time after time after time after time. And I'm still doing it. It's been decades. But you know what? I have that momentum behind me because I have mm -hmm. that hope. And I think that's just a little bit of hope can take you a long way, Brian. <laughs> I'm glad that you brought 
upward momentum definitely one that that um i found myself thinking about there but also hope i think that i'd like to believe that i do believe that that always is there there's always a shimmer of that in an individual i, I don't i don't know if that fire can ever fully go out um they might become so distanced from it and they might become so suppressed that feelings of hopelessness or what they would describe as hopelessness may arise. But I don't know if there there can ever be no hope within the the depths of our soul. And it's that moment where that gets ignited or gets felt a little bit that I find that a lot of people start to really create for a change. I, I, I want to say that we all have a rock bottom. We all, we all hit some kind of low point in our life. And um, I'm so glad to, to hear you share the story about yours because I think it can really do some good when, when someone that may not yet, you know, be, be in a place that they would describe as a good place or someone that is still struggling with, with something like anxiety, here's this. It, able to help them tap into a little bit of their hope. Yeah. I always, one thing I always hope for people is they don't get into, and I used to say this to my counseling clients is, you know, don't get into to, to comparison struggles, right? Because sometimes I'd have, I'd have one client who would talk about a struggle with a particular drug or a particular health issue they were having. And then it would almost be like a denigration of someone else's struggle that didn't seem objectively to be of the same degree, okay? Mm -hmm. And I would notice sometimes that people would shut down if they didn't think that their struggle could live up to mm -hmm. the other person's struggle. That's a really dangerous place to go because I think one of the, one of the stigmas attached to anxiety is that it's not a real thing and that it's, it's real, but we all have it or, um, oh, you just, just get over it. Okay, but I, I think I think that's very dangerous thinking. And so the, one of the reasons I talk about my anxiety struggle in different contexts is because I want people to, to know that, that it's real. Like maybe they've never heard anyone else talk about a struggle with real anxiety. Because I've had that happen before. I've had people say, I thought I was just, it matters. And everyone has, like you just said, I'm so glad you said that. On some level, everybody has a rock bottom. It could be a writer who's just given up on writing. That could be a rock bottom. It doesn't have to be something out of Hollywood. It can be a parent who's losing hope. It can be somebody struggling with an illness and they feel like they're losing them. It doesn't have to be this grand thing. You know, it's your story. And whatever the low point of your story is, that's the low point. And I, I think that that's something that needs to be appreciated. I think that's something that needs to be respected. You don't want to start comparing your struggles to other people. So that's why I'm glad that, that I can talk about anxiety in that way, because I think sometimes people don't think it's real. They don't think it's a, I actually heard somebody say, they don't think it's a valid concern. Okay. But it was for me. Mm -hmm. So hopefully, hopefully it, it touches people. Um, on some level, if they don't believe that it that it matters, because you know I'm here to say it does. 
if you're experiencing it, you're feeling it, it matters. And I think that's why you speak to why it shouldn't be a comparison of uh, external circumstances, because the the sense, the feeling, um, what's happening inside may not, and as we've seen time and time again, there isn't as much of a correlation to um, between that and external circumstances as we, as we may think. You, you see people who have it all, quote unquote, and commit suicide, right? People who must have been suffering a great deal um, despite, you know, having the, the, the life circumstances that people would describe as being great circumstances. And then similarly, you have people on the other end where they don't seem to have much, but they're joyous, they're living in bliss. Absolutely. So I don't think, I think it's important that you say, you know, we, we don't look towards that and, and disregard um, what we're feeling or even on the other side of that, think we know what someone else is going through um based on what we're seeing on the the surface and i think it's really important that we we validate our feelings we validate our emotional experience um i think in this space especially and again something that i've personally done is in wanting to feel good all the time um we kind of push away what we're feeling or we deny it, we resist it, we try to ignore that it's there. But I think um, you, uh, that from my experience only only perpetuates what's what's happening internally. So it's important that we're able to look at that and say, you know, I'm experiencing this, I'm feeling this, it's, it's very real um, and I think, your story does a, a great job of sharing with, with the listeners that, you know, if this is something that you're struggling with, one, um, don't shun it, don't resist it. It's it's happening. But also, too, you, you're able to, to step out of that. People have done it before. You've done it before, my friend, and we're always growing. And we all have the power within us the key to modern alchemy to make a decision and yeah. doing so make a change. Yeah. yeah. Look, if a child, you know, my child comes home with a, a, a macaroni drawing, you know, with glued pieces on it. I don't hold that up to a Picasso and go, well, looks like you still have some work. To I mean, you know, people are doing the best they can with the resources that they have. And what's a masterpiece is going to look different for every person. What's rock bottom is going to look different for every person. And I think, I mean, I speak as a coach and a counselor, it's to see these things equally. You know, a macaroni sculpture and a Michelangelo from a four-year-old four and a Michelangelo have equal, equal worth to me mm. because they're coming from a place of creativity. If we look at life as coming from a place of genius, we're never going to find, we're going to be really lonely. But if we look at it from, a standpoint of passion and effort, then it, it removes a lot of those layers. And the reason I bring that up is because that's the image that comes to mind. We're talking about comparisons of struggles and comparisons of rock bottoms. And it's an example that I used to use with my clients all the time. Don't compare struggles. People are, my teacher also used to say, you know, people are giving you the best they can in the moment, even if you don't believe it. And that applies to ourselves as it applies to anybody. So whatever your struggle is, you know, look, that's your struggle and you, you need to own that. 
I'm sorry. And I say, I'm sorry, because sometimes people don't want to, I'm speaking like my, did my account. I'm sorry. You have to own that. You can't just shove that away. As I said, in one of my things, it's, there's no room in your own head where you don't dwell. So when you push those things aside, you know, when you, you say you clean the house, but really you just shoved everything into the laundry room, it's still there. It's just in the laundry room. So whatever your moments are for you, whatever those low points are for you, they're yours. And, you know, look at them. Even if you want to shove them away, take them out once in a while and, and look at them in the light and see how they're doing. So don't get, ever get into that comparison game because it's, it's a very dark road to start down because it denies experience. And anything that denies experience opposes light. So just mm. embrace that. Wow, beautifully put anything that denies experience opposes light is that that's not an original is it or is that something you've heard before no i just wow what a download I'm anything that denies experience opposes light and it's in allowing for that light to shine through that we are able to dissolve the and allow for for that which it doesn't serve us to to be released and for something new, something brighter to take its place. All right, my brother, we are going to begin to wrap things up here, but you're going to be guest number two that I asked this question to in a row. Um, it's a kind of a re revision to a question I used to ask, uh, but I just recently started back asking this as the last question of the show so thank you for being the second person to what will very likely be a um a ongoing thing you ready for this this is a big one i'm ready <laughs> my friend if in this moment you realized the potential to communicate telepathically to all of humanity at once right here right now what would you say? Hmm. All right. For everyone listening, I just want to say, no, he did not tell me beforehand that he was going to ask this question. Right? This is a, I probably tell people to take a breath. I'm trying to imagine what it would be like, Brian, if seven to 8 billion people stopped what they were doing for one second and took a collective breath. I, can you imagine what that would feel like? <laughs> so I would probably say something of that order because really it's a way of telling people to get grounded here and now. Now that may not be as elegant. I don't know what other, how other people would <laughs> answer that. There's so many wonderful, elegant answers I could give, but you know what, Brian, it just wouldn't be me to say anything other than get grounded right now. Because I'm trying to imagine the feeling on an energetic level of 8 billion people grounding themselves and taking a collective breath. I can't even imagine what that would be like. So I'm going with that answer. It might be different tomorrow, but that's the one I'm going with now. <laughs> if that's what a being as pure as you is being inspired to share and say, I without a doubt, believe that it holds great importance. So what we are all going to actually do right now, it's not <laughs> the entire world, but don't discount the 
power that you have to create for a change, to a change within yourself. So I'm going to invite us all together. Ashley, would you do the honors here, my brother, of sure. just guiding us through this grounding, this breath? Man, I'm just, I'm going to do it too. So I'm just going to close my eyes. And if everyone else wants to, they're certainly welcome to. And just become totally aware of your body. And if you can, just, I always feel my pulse somewhere in my body to remind myself that I'm alive. When you have that pulse, just take one deep breath. Let it out nice and slow. And just open your eyes. And I always say, remember your pulse and remember your breath, because those are the only two things in any moment that you know are happening. Uh, it nice. feels so good to be here. Ah, I love talking to you, Brian. <laughs> Likewise, brother. Likewise, I absolutely love and appreciate your energy and all that you share with with me, and to, to be in the space of knowing that what we are doing here together is in some way going to support someone, which I truly do believe it will. Um, all of that is all my favorite things in one. Connecting with people that I love and care about having a great conversation and serving. And that's exactly what this experience has been. That's exactly what the experience is always like with you. So I wanna say once again, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for everything you are, for being here. I'm looking forward to, to having you back on again and again and again. Jay, before you, uh, you sign off, where could our listeners find out more about you and what you got going on if um, if they're interested in checking into you more? Well, first, Brian, again, thank you for creating this space, this beautiful little screen here. <laughs> and thank you to all the folks over here. I've been seeing your messages as we've been talking, and it's just... Thank you. <laughs> I Thank you for that. Um, I'm just getting started on some stuff. Um, if you want to go to ja plosker forward slash links you can find my books there i wrote a book called an audible silence i wrote a book called the nobody bible um, i'd love to have everybody i have a free mindfulness quick start guide if you're interested in mindfulness and i'd love to have your listeners sign up for that i love the energy that your listeners have and i would just love to have them join my mailing list i don't i hardly send anything out i'm going to start sending stuff out this month but um I'd love to have people join the mailing list and get that quick start guide to join me on YouTube um, and to help me to help me grow this community. I have a Facebook group called Nobody Life. It's a little private group. Sometimes we put some fun stuff in there. But J.A. Plosker forward slash links will get people there. And it's it's a beautiful community you're growing, Brian. Um, I've met some folks in it very intimately. And I really appreciate this. And I appreciate the space. And I appreciate your community 
and I just, I just appreciate it. So thank you very much for giving me this time. Senders, that is going to be all for this episode of Awaken. I hope through listening to this one, you started to feel your state being alchemized because it was a decision, which is the key to modern day alchemy that you made to listen to this, listen to this in the intention of personal growth, personal ascension. And so I hope that what was brought up in this conversation and listening to it will support you in as you continue on your path, continue to make decisions that best serve you. And regardless of the circumstances that brings you to what comes from that, the feedback you receive in your reality, you use that as an opportunity to grow, to continue to make decisions that will take you in the direction that you're heading, which I would say is always, always, up senders thank you once again for tuning in i'm gonna put the ask out the invitation one more time for those of you that have been enjoying and and have been positively served by the content we would deeply deeply appreciate it if you considered providing an energy exchange in the form of a monetary donation Again, being a organization entirely run on donations now, we are open and receptive to receiving this support as it nourishes us to continue to create the content that we do and serve in this planetary collective ascension. Senders, thank you for being here. Thank you for tuning in once again. Until next time, keep ascending.